Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Get your advanced PhD in WOW from Floor and Decor. If you're a pro, you're already an expert in tile, wood, and stone. And with Floor and Decor's job site delivery, their free design services, and pro rewards that actually reward you, your business is set to grow from one client to the next. Floor and Decor isn't just a couple of aisles. It's an entire store designed to help your business boom. It's Floor and Decor. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, if you're like most men in the United States, you probably have a job where you sit at a desk all day, either pushing papers or typing in front of a keyboard. And if you're like the many men who are desk jockeys, you're probably feeling out of shape and dead inside. Well, if this describes you, our guest today might be able to help you because he's been there. His name is Vic McGarry, and he's the owner of the site Gym Junkies, where he writes about fitness, nutrition, and health. Vic used to be a desk jockey as a full-time attorney, but now he makes his living as a fitness trainer. And you can visit his site at gymjunkies.com. Vic, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Brett. Well, Vic, tell us your story. Uh, it's kind of interesting. You started out as, a, as an attorney, a practicing attorney, and then now you're a full-time fitness trainer. What happened there? Well, I think we have to back it up just a hair before that, and that is law school, which got me into a ton of student loan debt, as it does many people. <laughs> and what happened as a result was I went to the Army. I went to the United States Army Infantry for three years uh, in a deal they had at the time to uh, repay the student loans. So while I was in the Army is really where I kind of developed and experienced my personal philosophies on fitness training. Um, so after I finished my, my duty, I came back to uh, – my hometown, Columbus, Ohio, and took the bar exam, started practicing as a lawyer, and just hated it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was brutal, you know, especially the job I had. I was, a, I was a government attorney, so, you know, clients aren't very appreciative. They're kind of stuck with you. They don't get to pick their attorneys, and, you know, the, uh, the mounds of paperwork, just the, you know, over, overall just stress levels was something that was not good for me in, in any aspect, you know, mentally, physically, or, you know, emotionally. So at one point, I just, uh, I just decided enough's enough, man. I mean, I literally just snapped one morning couldn't get out of bed and just said that that's it I've had enough and so I forced myself out of bed jumped into my backyard and just put myself through a bunch of movements that uh that were similar to what I did in the army and by that what I mean is just real world kind of functional stuff I think the real light bulb moment I had in the army was putting up this huge I mean huge uh like mess tent I mean it took like 20 guys to put this thing up and it was like the hardest workout of my life there's like 20 of us doing this but that's you know, real world exertion stuff. It's not doing bicep curls on some chromed out machine. It's, you know, moving heavy objects and, and it has a purpose at the end. And, and, you know, that's kind of what the body is designed for. So whenever I got back to that style of training, I, I just didn't have any looking back and did not want to return to the desk. Yeah. So, I mean, how did law school and the law affect your health? Because I, I am, I went to law school. I'm a law grad, but I'm not a practicing attorney because I got out before I could even start, which is nice. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, it, law school really did a toll on my health. I mean, I aged immensely. I, I definitely got out of shape. Uh, I mean, did, did you have that same thing or were you able to kind of mitigate it some with your experience in the, in the military and kind of having a, a habit of physical fitness? I definitely swung to the opposite end of the spectrum, the spectrum that you're talking about, where I was just totally uh, out of shape, you know, certainly at the worst point of my life, uh, you know, to give you just a, you know, kind of the, the stats, so to speak, I'm about five foot eight. Uh, whenever I'm in top shape, I weigh about 150 pounds. Uh, at my worst, when I was an attorney, I was weighing in at about 186. Uh, definitely soft, definitely out of shape, and definitely just frustrated with, with life. And I think even that is, is a bigger contributor to, uh, to poor health than, than we like to admit at times. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't immediately just quit the law job and jump into the fitness business. You know, what I did was I started uh, first training clients out of their home. After about a year of that, then I opened my own storefront, and I would train clients in the evenings while still practicing law during the day. And then after about three years of that, I finally eliminated law permanently and, uh, you know, just trained clients full time. Wow, so you had to hustle a lot to get to the point you're at right now. Oh, man, not nonstop hustle, man. I mean, we're burning on both ends of the candle, but, I mean, you, you, you know, you kind of have that, uh, that goal or that drive at the end that you're shooting for. It makes the long days worth it, definitely. Well, I mean, and, and, and I, I know we're interviewing primarily for the your your expertise on fitness, but I think you probably have a lot to say. But I think there's a lot of men out there too who aren't happy with their jobs, um, and they're wanting to do something else. And I guess your experience would be a, a great pattern to follow: uh, pick up something, moonlight a little bit, and then when you finally make enough, you know, cut quit your old job and you know commit full time to your new one. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're definitely going to be a you know, a middle ground of risk, so to speak, where, you know, maybe the part-time income is not quite enough, but you're pretty darn close. So then you have to, you know, burn the bridge, so to speak, you know, and just, you know, get rid of the job that you don't like. But I still think that's a better method than just, you know, cutting your ties instantaneously. I mean, especially if you're in a situation like most guys where you may have a family or children or, you know, other people depending upon you for your income, you know, you definitely want to gradually move into that but at the same time, you don't want to stagnate either. You know, you always have to be moving forward and, you know, maybe give yourself a goal, but make it reasonable, you know, maybe a, a year to, to three years down the road is whenever you want to kind of transition uh, permanently is what I'd recommend. Awesome. All right. Well, so let's get back to your, your fitness philosophy. You described a little bit of it. it. It comes primarily from your experience in the military. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what your philosophy is um, in regards to fitness? Sure. Uh, to keep it kind of baseline and basic, let's just say... Number one, basic movements. Number two, always training outside of your comfort zone. Uh, when I say basic movements, it, it just means what the body is designed to do. I mean, and when I say that, I mean from a, almost a survival standpoint, what are we designed to do? We're designed to push, pull, run, jump, throw, climb. That's pretty much it. Okay, definitely not designed to be strapped underneath some chrome monstrosity banging out reps. Um, so if you stick to those primary movements, and kind of gauge your, I guess, effectiveness, effectiveness level of a movement uh, within those parameters, then you're in a, on a good place. But then after that, you have to continually strive to move forward and, and progress at all times. You know, kind of like the classic thing is a guy will tell me, you know, every morning I wake up and I do 30 push-ups, but I'm not getting any stronger. I'm like, well, you know, tomorrow I'll try to do 31. It, yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll make a little bit of a difference. Uh, same thing with a guy who tells me, oh, you know, I go out, I get up and I jog three miles every morning. It's like, well, you know, if you're not getting the results you want, then you, you have to change up your protocol a little bit. But that's it, basically. Basic movements, 
always training outside of the comfort zone. All right. So basic movements you're thinking, you're talking like squats, bench press, deadlifts. Yeah. We want to, yeah, we want to kind of bring it back into the more uh, common nomenclatures of exercise. Yes. I'm talking about compound movements. Compound movements basically means you are utilizing more than one joint at a time. Uh, As an example, a bicep curl would be a single joint movement. Okay. Whereas a pull up, would be a compound movement, the pull-up using both the elbow and the shoulder, whereas the bicep curl only uses the, uh, the elbow. And, and in real-world situations, your body does not use those single-joint movements. I mean, when do you do a bicep curl uh, in real life? Whereas a pull-up, if you had to launch yourself up on top of a wall or you know up to a tree, that's the movement you would use. Um, to kind of bring that back to the lower body, same thing with a, with a deadlift, let's say. Okay, a deadlift is going to work primarily your posterior chain. That's everything from, you know, the, the top of your shoulders just about down to your, the back of your ankles, but primarily the glutes and the hamstrings. And that's just, you know, bending down and picking up a bag of mulch. That's a deadlift. Whereas in a gym, you know, these big commercial globo gyms, you're going to see guys laying face down on, on, a, on a lying leg curl machine, and that is something you're definitely not going to repeat in the real world <laughs> by yeah. any means. So the, uh, the compound movements are a lot more practical. Uh, you know, kind of the big buzzword in the fitness industry is, is they're functional, and you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Okay. Well, so what about nutrition? I, think, I know it's an area that uh, there's so much information out there, a lot of it conflicting. One month will say you need to eat every three hours. Another one will say no, don't do that. You know, just eat three big meals. I mean, what's your what's your philosophy on nutrition? My philosophy for nutrition ties right back into what we just talked about on my philosophy for exercise. You know, your movement selection are things the body was designed to do: push, pull, run, jump, throw, climb. Uh, same thing with your nutrition selection. What is the body designed to eat? Uh, is it designed to eat bread? I think there's a lot of good arguments that, that probably not, especially if you look at it from a, you know, a pretty deep historical standpoint, basically meaning in the caveman days. Uh, time and time again, particularly with clients who are looking to lose weight, uh, cut body fat, a diet that is based almost exclusively on vegetables, fruits, lean meats, small amount of nuts and seeds, takes you where you want to go every time. Also, you don't have the same energy fluctuations that you'll have with the uh, kind of a typical standard uh, American diet, you know, where there's a lot of the, uh, the high glycemic carbohydrates, things like bread and pasta and rice and potatoes and things like that. That's what causes that, that kind of a spike in your energy levels and then the resulting crash afterward. But if you stick to lots of vegetables, some meat, some fruits, some nuts, energy levels are constant and your body weight tends to stabilize exactly where it's supposed to be. Awesome. So keep it simple. Okay, uh, yeah. and, and in regards to nutrition, one of the articles I thought was really interesting on your site, you talked about intermittent fasting. Um, what is that, and how is that beneficial? Intermittent fasting just is you know exactly what it sounds like. You, you kind of take these these periods where you don't eat, uh, and by intermittent, you know maybe it's not so. Uh, I don't want to say deliberate; that's the wrong word with what I'm saying. But you know, maybe one week you only do your fast for eight hours and then you know maybe 10 days later you you go through you know an 18 hour fast or whatever and and, you know maybe you try it again and your your fast you do include some fruits and vegetables but you steer clear of of any other kind of heavy nutritional objects and what it it kind of does is a few things one the kind of the the original theory behind it that i that i read about was it kind of gives the body a break because there is a lot of energy expenditure in the digestive process uh but again, for, for fat loss or losing body weight in particular, I think it's very effective because it forces your body to use uh, energy sources that you want it to use that it doesn't like to use, in particular, 
body fat. Uh, whenever you do eat food, you know, you're putting blood sugar into your, uh, into your body, which the body uses as its energy source. Anything that's left over didn't get used gets stored uh, as, as glycogen and delivers in the muscles. And if you have this glycogen store, then your body's going to use that as its go-to energy source instead of body fat. Whereas if you don't eat every once in a while, these glycogen stores kind of get depleted, and then your body's forced to use the body fat for energy, which is what you want, like I said, particularly in a, in a weight loss or body fat reduction uh, protocol. And, and when you're doing intermittent fasting, do you continue your workouts uh, as normal? So say one day you're, you're fasting for 18 hours, would you just work out as you would normally? If you... you would work out normally with a few exceptions. One, obviously, if your energy levels are feeling so low, you know, you're getting the, the, the splitting headaches, this, this is... An occurrence, more so with people who are, uh, for lack of a better word, addicted to the carbohydrate diet, you know, where they're almost having like withdrawal symptoms, you might want to cut back on the workout that day, just more so for discomfort reasons as opposed to any kind of health concerns or, or risk. Um, but if, you're, if you are trying to pick up weight, which, you know, some guys are in that situation, then, then no, if you're just doing your fast because, you know, you want to kind of cleanse your body or whatever, which uh, you can kind of tell from my tone of voice that I, I don't know how much validity there is to that or not. I just know that it definitely works if you want to cut some body fat out. But uh, basically, ju- judge it on your energy levels. If your energy levels feel good, then yes, exercise as normal. You're not going to have any ill effects. Don't worry about this window after your workout where you're supposed to eat this perfect ratio of carbohydrates and protein within a 60-minute window after your resistance training. You know, your body does what it's supposed to do. It's, it's a pretty amazing machine. We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. And now back to the show. Okay. What, what are some common myths about fitness and health that you see a lot of men have? Because I'm sure you have clients that come in and they have their um, preconceived notions about what fitness, a fitness program should look like. Uh, what kind of workouts and exercises they should do? Um, you see a lot of men that have, um, you know, kind of these myths that they, they've they've heard on TV or radio, and they bring that to you. Absolutely, two of them stick out. Number one being the the long, slow uh, cardio training for weight loss. Number two being the uh, direct abdominal work to get the the coveted six pack abs that you're going to see on the cover of you know every men's magazine on the book on the bookstore shelf. Um, addressing the long slow cardio first, you know. Sometimes I think I get a bad reputation for slamming long slow cardio. It's not that I'm slamming. You know, if you want to go out and do a five mile run, 
as long as you're not under the, the misconception that that's an effective fat loss strategy. You know, if it gives you some sort of, you know, emotional, mental, or, or spiritual clarity, I say, you know, run your ass off. That's fine with me. But if you think you're, you're out there doing the most efficient method to kind of get that lean look, then, then you're mistaken. Uh, you know, an example or a, a comparison I use with clients sometimes is, you know, I can, I can, I can put a nail on a board with the, with the back end of a screwdriver. I can do it, but I'd much rather use a hammer. Same thing. Yeah, you can you can lose weight running five miles a day, but I'd much rather use high intensity, short duration exercises, uh, focusing on compound movements. It's just much more efficient. So I'd say that's probably the biggest myth I see. Clients will come in and say, "Oh, I've been running five miles a day and I'm not losing weight." I say, "Well, maybe you need to try something different." Uh, the second one, the six pack abs. You know, the the thing that that sells the most magazines <laughs> to men, probably in the fitness area at least. Um, Again, you know, that's not a function of, of your muscular strength in that area as far as getting that look. Again, it's, it's a factor of, of body fat reduction. Um, now, if you do want to make that area strong, even then I don't recommend crunches. You have to think what the abdominal muscles do, and that's torso stabilization. In your big compound movements, in particular anything overhead, like a, like an overhead press, military press, also anything where the torso is forced to stabilize due to a heavy load, such as back squats, or deadlifts, those are going to be much better for conditioning uh, what is commonly called the core than any number of crunches you can do. So those would be the big two. Okay. And on a related note, what are some mistakes that you see a lot of men making when they're first starting out with a fitness and health routine? Uh, what are the mistakes you see? The biggest mistake I see is not having a plan. Okay, the guy will go to the big corporate gym, you know, hear the sales pitch, sign the contract, walk into the gym, and not know what the hell he's doing. So what's he do? He walks around, he sees an open machine, he sits on it, he bangs out a few reps, he gets up, he walks around again, sees another open machine, sits on it, you know, he doesn't have a plan. That, don't get me wrong, it's better than sitting in front of the couch with a you know, bag of chips and a six-pack of beer, but it, it's still, once again, not very uh, efficient nor effective in that, in that situation. So you've got to have a plan. Um, and you have to have that plan based on your goals. Whenever you're first starting out in a fitness program, you know, your goals may just be to gain some sort of, I don't want to say virtuosity, but some sort of uh, proficiency in the basic movements. And by basic, I mean a push-up, a squat using nothing more than your body weight, and a pull-up. If you can't do 25 strict push-ups, in my opinion, you have no business being on a bench press. Uh, if you can't do, you know, 25 strict body weight squats with great range of motion, then you shouldn't have a barbell across your shoulders. And you kind of have to dial it back to that. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of guys, particularly in a, in a public environment like a gym, you know, their, their ego gets in the way and they, they don't want to take those steps to kind of ingrain that, which is not only going to make their workouts much more beneficial down the road, but it's also going to keep them safe and healthy. Yeah, as, as one thing I've seen with a lot of guys, uh, they start off, they want to bite off more at the very beginning than they can really chew. And uh, they get, I guess, discouraged, and they just end up quitting. Yeah. They, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, here's a question. You know, a lot of our readers are younger men. They're in their 20s. Um, some of them are in their 30s. But then we also have men who, you know, read and listen, and listen to this podcast who are older. You know, how should your workout routine change as a man ages? Um, should you be doing focusing on one thing when you're 20s and then when you're 40, maybe you should shift to another focus? I mean, what is the, what, should there be a shift? I think the shift depends on um, more so your 
familiarity with exercise than it does with your age. And what I mean by that is if you're a beginner, like we just talked about, and let's say you're over 40, over 50, even into your 60s, and you're a brand-new beginner, then you really are going to want to pay close attention to your recovery rates, your range of motion, how your joints feel, things like that. When you're younger, you know, your recovery rate's a lot better. You can, you know, make a little more errors in your technique. Injury risk is not quite as high. That being said, on the flip side, if you are a long-standing fitness practitioner and you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, then you enter kind of the realm of, of mastery, you know, just like any other skill. When you've been doing it that long, you just get such a, uh, I guess, such a subtle perception. I mean, you, you can just, you can tell that your particular body works in ways that may not be in line with uh, standard protocol. For, for example, I know that uh, for strength training, you know, by strength training, I mean being able to move the heaviest object you can one time to develop that capacity. My body works great at about the three repetition range. Five sets of three, my strength's going to go up. Uh, kind of common uh, protocol for that is, is what's called a five-by-five program. Uh, where you use five repetitions as heavy as you can, you repeat that for five sets. When I do that, it just it tears my body down, man. I mean, my lower back is sore from from deadlifts, and it's you know my knees don't feel good. I know that me in particular, three reps. So you kind of you get sensitivity that comes from experience. That you know it's the same thing with any other movement or uh, practice, whatever it may be. Whether it's practicing law, fitness, doesn't matter. Age can be a benefit due to experience. All right. Now, last question, Vic, and it's it's related to. I saw this article on your blog, and it's you've kind of connected to like fitness, but I think it also applies to a lot of aspects of a man's life. And you write about the difference between a soldier and a warrior. Uh, can you explain the difference, and what should men strive to be—a soldier or a warrior? Men should strive to be a soldier first, but always looking to transition to the warrior. And it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about, and it, it just means experience. You know, it means having enough experience to make your own decisions. And to get that experience, at first you have to obey orders. At first you have to take instruction. At first you have to follow the recipe that's in the book. But through following that recipe over time, you kind of gain your own insights, and you realize that certain things work for you that weren't in the recipe, certain things don't work for you. And through that experience, then you kind of discard what's not useful for you, you add in what is useful for you, and you, what I'd like to say, you dance instead of march. Uh, and that's really what being a warrior is to me, is, is to you know, acknowledge the differences that we each have as individuals, not being afraid to kind of stray off the path that other people expect from you, and kind of trusting your own instinct, your own gut, and, and just going with it, and accepting the consequences thereafter. You know, Maybe it's not right, but you're going to go out there and you're going to try it. Uh, and if it's not right, you're going to accept that and you're going to course correct Awesome. Well, Vic, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thank you so much, Brett. We do have uh, something special for those listening to this, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, if, if people go to 31dayfatlosscure.com, and that's like the number, 3-1, 31dayfatlosscure.com backslash manliness. Uh, there's a free workout there for anyone listening. It's a no-gym-needed workout. It's perfect for beginners. Um, there's also a 29-minute audio interview that I did with Zach Evanish talking about uh, how to be successful both in your training and your life. Uh, so that's just our little thank you to everyone who's listening because, uh, you know, gymjunkies.com, we, we love the art of manliness.com. So I really appreciate the call today. Sure thing. Our guest today was Vic McGarry. Vic is the owner of the blog Gym Junkies, and you can find out more information about Vic's work at gymjunkies.com. 
Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.